Let us pray together. Open our hearts, our eyes, our ears, and make ready our spirits, O God. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. I want to thank again our musicians for just the joyful music that we have experienced today and last week. And I just want to call attention to the similarities in those two styles of music. Both of them emerge out of people who were struggling. The words are joyful and powerful, filled with hope, resonating with meaning. And yet out of both communities, last week as we celebrated the spirituals out of the African-American tradition, and this week this gospel bluegrass from the Appalachian experience, in both cases these are from people who were experiencing a lot of difficulty, a lot of heartache. For me, it is a valuable reminder of where we come from, our spiritual heritage, not only from those two important traditions, but also the story that emerges out of the book of Acts, the story that we're following from the beginning of this early church history, starting with the experience we described a few weeks ago at Pentecost, through the struggle of that early fellowship in Jerusalem, where the language and cultural differences were creating all kinds of tensions, and there was a creative and beautiful resolution of what was happening with this new influx of people who looked and sounded and were different from a different culture. Last week, the Ethiopian eunuch and the, the power of that story, a man welcomed into the family of faith who was fairly certain prior that he was not wanted or appreciated. Today we hear again about a story of this journey, this time from a little different perspective, from the perspective now about a fellow by the name of Saul. Our focus then is going to be on this person who for many of us is quite familiar. We know him on the backside of his later experience when he changed his name from Saul, which was the Hebrew, to Paul, which was the Latin Roman effort on his part to be known and accepted by the broader Mediterranean context. Today our focus is on this story that Luke shares from the book of Acts, this ninth chapter. We call it the conversion of Saul. It is the epitome for me of what is our first point in our trajectory for today, and that is a person who was really good at misplaced passion. Misplaced passion. How easy it is to get excited about all the wrong stuff. I was a sophomore at Red Bank High School, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Ricky Cresswell had just sprained his ankle. I was promoted to the starting lineup of our basketball team. Coach Paul Ball before the game. If you play well, we may keep you in the starting lineup. So I was feeling a little energized. The referee comes out, 
throws the ball up for the opening tip. Lynn Sammons on our team, 6-9, flips the ball back to Mark Maynard. He stumbles, and, and it, it rolls out of his hands, and suddenly I realize there's the ball, there's the goal, no one is in front of me. It's times like this when time slows down. I could hear the voices of the cheerleaders. I could see my name in the paper the next day. Everything was right there ready for me. I picked the ball up, take a few dribbles, and just as I'm about to lay the ball in the basket, I hear my coach's voice over the crowd. You're shooting at the wrong basket! <laughs> my debut at Red Bank High School. How easy it is to shoot at the wrong basket basket. I can't tell you how many times men and women in congregations throughout the years sitting before me saying, if only I had known earlier, if only my focus had been different, if only I had been a better parent sooner, if only I had listened carefully to the still small voice in my spirit, how much better I would have been and who I am, and what I believe now God needed me and wants me now to be. Misplaced passion is, in many ways, an epidemic in our society. And it's so easy for all of us to stumble into this. And Saul, in this story, epitomizes somebody who, if you listen carefully to what he says later, in Galatians, giving his own testimony, the second chapter of Galatians, he talks about how he was the best in class. He was zealous for the faith. He did everything right. He was under the very best rabbi. He went to the best school. He was the most excited and passionate about who he was in all the wrong ways. We have to be very careful that we listen to that still, small voice. And so what happens in Paul's journey is quite interesting. While still named Saul, the story unfolds, as was read just a moment ago, where Saul, in an effort to stamp out this new movement, these followers of Jesus, does something very interesting. He leaves from Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem, we've talked about the last couple of weeks, there was a, a frightening persecution that arose for those people who were calling themselves disciples of Jesus. This guy was supposed to have been killed. This movement was supposed to have been over. And yet something is going on that people can't figure out. And Saul epitomizes this, this group very troubled by this new movement that doesn't seem to want to stop. So as Luke describes it, he begins to participate fully and enthusiastically in this persecution. We hear, as Luke describes it, that this guy, Saul, willingly were throwing people in prison, listen carefully, men and women. Now Luke edits this carefully because he and Paul are traveling companions. But Paul later gives his own testimony, and he gives us two vivid accounts of what he really was like. Not only was he throwing people in prison, men and women, 
But the way Paul describes it in 1 Timothy chapter 1 is with one Greek word, hubristes. In English, we translate it man of violence, persecutor, blasphemer, three words. In Greek, hubristes stood for somebody who not only was angry, zealous about all the wrong stuff, but enjoyed watching people suffer. Now, this isn't somebody talking about Paul. This is Paul's own testimony. I was a bad guy. Violently, he uses this word in Galatians, violently persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. Misplaced passion, in the case of Saul, created all kinds of chaos in Jerusalem. And so what happens now is people are fleeing from Jerusalem They're running from their homes, and they're going to a place where they find, they hope, safety. Damascus. We hear Damascus often in the news today. This is the same Damascus in Syria. It was a place of safe haven. It was where people that we know today as refugees could run to. So this is the other troubling side of this story. People are fleeing from Jerusalem because of the persecution. They're refugees, and they're going to Damascus to get safe. And what does Saul do? He chases after them. He's going to Damascus to get the people, refugees who have fled to Damascus for safety. This is a very troubling story. Talk about misplaced passion. And what happens on the way, many of us have come over the years to know as the Damascus Road experience. Today, we're just going to call it a reconfigured focus. This reconfigured focus on our second slide is now, thank you. (laughs) It's not their fault. It's my fault. It's always my fault. Uh, This reconfigured focus is very interesting now because on the way to Damascus, following in the, the, the trail of these refugees, trying to find a safe space, something happens. Damascus Road experience, it's described in this ninth chapter of Acts, and it is this very interesting place where Jesus speaks to Saul and says these words, Saul Saul, why are you persecuting, listen carefully, me? But wait a minute, Jesus isn't there. Jesus is off, Saul is persecuting these people that are refugees. Listen, Jesus says, when you persecute these people, when you don't care for these people, when you aren't looking out for these people, when you aren't speaking out for these people, guess who you're hurting? Me! Why are you persecuting me? And this interesting echo of Jesus in the tomb takes place. For three days, Saul is without sight. Luke goes in and out of metaphorical language, like the Gospel of John. There's all kinds of stuff there that's deep and wide and important. And this 
metaphor of blindness, of wrong sight, of misplaced passion is all over the description of now what Saul is a part of. For three days, like Jesus in the tomb, Saul now wondering, praying, if you listen carefully, he's, he's praying, what have I gotten wrong? I thought I was doing it all right. I thought my passions were ordered correctly. This reconfigured focus. Siri often speaks to me, and I hear a word saying, recalculating. Why? I've taken the wrong road. She's telling me where to go. I'm just not listening. And she's having to recalculate, reconfigured focus. Now, there are many in this sanctuary, I'm sure, who have used this terminology. Someone has asked you, so how did you get involved in church? Or what is your story with faith? And you may say these words, well, I've never had a Damascus Road experience. Anybody ever said that? Okay, so what we've got in the, in the, in the book of Acts is a very carefully edited version of Paul's, Saul's conversion experience. The Damascus Road, it did call him to attention. It refigured, reconfigured his focus. But again, referring to Galatians, Paul's own testimony, not Luke's, but what Paul says about himself is, after this experience of coming to grips with the fact that I was shooting at the wrong basket, I was headed in the wrong direction, I had to completely recalibrate and reconfigure everything that I was about. Paul says in Galatians chapter two, guess what he did? He didn't immediately start preaching to everybody. He went to Arabia, in other words, the wilderness, and back to Damascus to interact with the very people that he was trying to persecute for, get this, three years. So if you've ever said, well, I've never really had a Damascus Road experience, read Galatians chapter two. Because what Paul is saying is, well, my Damascus Road experience isn't quite what you thought. What I had to do was, was separate myself from everybody and go and just sort of figure it out. Pray, commune, write, listen, hear, be a part of a larger community of people who could help me understand what God was doing in my heart and spirit. It doesn't happen overnight, and if you've been deluded into thinking that somehow it has to be instantaneous, listen carefully to the stories of faith. It is a lifetime journey of learning how to understand what it is that God is calling us to and from. So Saul is being called from the messiness that was his previous misplaced passion. And now this reconfigured focus that is powerful now, where he is converted in this long journey, and by the way, after three years in Arabia and back in Damascus, he says, and it's another, listen, 14 years before I actually go to Jerusalem before the apostles and speak with them. Although he says, I did go to Jerusalem briefly for 15 days to be with Peter. It took me three plus 14, 17 years to really get to the place where I felt comfortable being me in God's guidance. You are on a journey 
of faith that takes a while. We're all called to listen carefully, to be open fully to the still small voice and movement of God in our hearts and minds, helping us to reconfigure our focus that may have been misplaced passions, shooting at the wrong goal, headed in the wrong direction, now needing to recalculate who we are and whose we are and where we are heading. Which leads us now to this semi-resolution of at least this story today, and that is, third slide. Actually, you know, we missed, I'm sorry, we have some pictures. Yeah, okay, so this is Saul before he has his conversion experience. So if you can just sort of resonate with these This is not fun. You can tell he's not having a good time with his faith journey. And anytime you point at somebody else, you might want to stop and think, maybe I should turn that finger around and point back at me. Uh, Father's Day. This is not a pretty picture for those of us who are attempting to be better at what God calls us to do. And on the way to Damascus, this whole army of soldiers behind him to capture and bring back people fleeing for their lives because they were following Jesus. Now, a spirit in Paul, in Saul, our final slide, is this sense of something is going on in me. I'm not quite sure what it is, but it's, it's a renovation of my heart, a renovation of my spirit, of something in me that is changing. And for today, for this Father's Day, especially for us men right now, in all the craziness and confusion that we need to listen very carefully to and be open to God's movement with us now, the renovation of our spirits, Romans chapter 16 for me is a beautiful way to conclude our lesson for today with Saul who becomes Paul. The entire 16th chapter of Romans, if you've ever read it, it's a little bit strange because it's nothing more than a list of names. And with each name, there's a a brief tagline of how that person is connected to Paul. The powerful thing about this passage is you see this man whose pictures we just saw, live photographs from, from his early days, unhappy, angry, passionate about all the wrong stuff in the 16th chapter of Romans. Greet Phoebe, defender of the faith. She is crucial to our church. And Andronicus, give him my love. He and Junia also were were first in the apostles and leaders of our church. On and on, there is this list of names of this beautiful relationship that Paul has established over all these years as a friend, a disciple of Jesus, and a co-shepherd with all these folks. The value of sharing in this life's journey, these long Damascus Road experiences that all of us are called to together, growing in faith with one another, 
And this remarkable window into Paul's own faith journey at the end of it all, looking back and giving thanks for the relationships that he has been able to share in the grace and the goodness of God through Jesus and the church and the fellowship and the faith. What a great calling for you and me with God's help to grow in our faith, to broaden our sense of community, to open up to the many ways God has for us to rejoice in those around us, to make our lives better, deeper, richer, and all that much more beautiful. This is a gift. Don't pass it up. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It is our gift and pleasure every week to have the opportunity to remind ourselves of this calling. It is this opportunity now we share in our hymn of response. Let us stand together. If God has touched your heart today, if you would like to share with us an important decision, we call you forward now and rejoice with you. Let's sing together.